dashing through the snow. On a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, hello. Oh. Welcome. Welcome to the uh, Strangers in a Cinema, episode 70, but also our Christmas party. I think we yep, need yep. to make I think we need to make a disclosure now because I have I have for quite a while behind the scenes been pushing for some kind of pubcast which is something we do when people basically have a drink in a pub and then do a podcast but we've kind of compromised on that. And so basically you've joined us people in the midst of the Strangers in a Christmas party. We have had a drink. Uh, I'm Paul Anderson here with and even even now I use surnames Pete. I'm Paul Anderson here with Pete Wall and as, Jack Mills. As soon as you put a microphone in front of you you get about eight times like posher than you were before the microphone was turned on. Uh, Jack Mills is with us as well. He's already been sick a Yo, few ho, times. Ho. Yep, that's <laughs> me. Yeah. We've given him what? his first beer. We've let him have his first oh. beer over Christmas. No, but I spilt a beer. I wasn't sick. But yeah, no, th- this is not the case. We jest. It's that crazy time of year where we make make up jokes. No, we have been drinking. That's, we have been drinking. That's Always. not a jest. But, uh, yeah, w- what we've got for you is a Christmas special episode in which we're going to keep something of the regular format of the show. But then we're going to try. We're going to yeah, try. We're, yeah. we're going to then at about the halfway or so mark, we're going to throw that all to the wind, and we're just going to go full out, one hundred percent Christmas. But before we get there, we're going to do two sections that you already recognise. They are popcorn movies and they are a feature review because this week Paul we have a very important feature review to do have we not right yes what have we got Paul help me out <laughs> uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi is our, our is our feature review of the week we're going to do some popcorn movies before we get there and just to elaborate on what Pete said about the fact that once we've done that review we're going to do Christmas and we're going to do Christmas well so What's great is that we've got film-related presents for each other. And also, I have to say that one of our listeners, <coughs> my sister, um, has bought us presents to open. They're all identical presents. She has given me no clue as to what they are. But we will be opening presents live, live, or live on this the podcast. Might is go, it live? They might, this might go a bit what, yeah. what are we yeah, thinking, like, gags, so that none of us can speak anymore? That could be what we what we could be, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it could be like an EMP pulse that just knocks out the entire but yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As Paul says, we're going to be opening Christmas presents live on the show. Well, I mean live, as live as it yeah. will be for us, and not so live for you. But uh, before we get to any of that, we've got to whip through a couple of popcorn reviews. So, Paul, what have you watched recently to round off, uh, near enough round off 2017 uh brigsby bear yeah i don't know anything about this other than the title and it's got good reviews what is it is it about a bear um, is it animated i don't know what's interesting about brigsby bear for me is the fact it's the first and is I, it i'm Big... pretty sure i've done this as a coming attraction i think jack when you said earlier you think i've talked about it before yeah i, think I think i've done it right. as a coming attraction is it, is it bigsby or brigsby brigsby, brigsby okay. bear um basically it's i think one of the first films that i'm aware of under the banner of lonely island films um, which is Andy Samberg's production. I would. Do, I'm going to make the assumption it's Andy Samberg's production company. Um, and actually, there's. It's a very, very bizarre film, but actually one that I found remarkably charming. Um, and actually has has a lot of similarities to I would say one of the best films of last year. Um, the the film with Brie Larson in and Jacob Tremblay or a Room. Um, not the Room. Not the Room. Um, which yes. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, so basically, Brigsby Bear. The, the concept of Brigsby Bear, very briefly, is that the the lead character um, has been basically gets rescued by the FBI. Yeah. So hold on, sorry, I've got to backtrack on you, Paul. Uh, yeah, forgive yeah. me. This is an Andy Samberg production mm. company joint, yes, yeah, which yeah. is Lonely similar Islands. to the Brie Larson kidnap and abuse film room. Yes, I need to know more. No, it, to- it, it totally is. Okay. I, I can understand why you're questioning that, but um, yeah. 
So basically, he the the, the main the main character um, gets rescued by the FBI at the beginning, and he's he's obsessed with this TV show Brigsby Bear, um, and Brigsby Bear uh, is a TV show that has been entirely made up by um, the his pretend parents that abducted him from a hospital when he was a baby, and his father, who produced the TV show, is Luke Skywalker or Mark Hamill, in fact. Um, like weirdly enough, dog tooth or something. Yeah, it is bizarre. It's, uh, it's absolutely bizarre, but it's incredibly charming. So basically, so he gets the, the the main character gets rescued from this from this situation and re reintroduced to his real family. He decides that he he meets he meets a number of people and is, is just will not stop talking about how incredible Brigsby Bear is as a series and how much he really really loves it and decides that he wants to make a Brigsby Bear movie. Uh, and then sets out to make a Brigsby Bear movie. And initially, there is a lot of um, the, like the, his his therapist says, "Look, don't do it," and and this and that. And actually, it turns out that him making the Brigsby Bear movie could actually be the ultimate th- form of therapy th- for him. Um, it is bizarre, but it's incredibly charming, and it's it's got a really really nice message about it. It it it, it really does. It's um, it's 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 not. In some ways, it's comedic. In other ways, it's not. It's just the fact that he's he's so well related to this. In in his mind, Brigsby Bear is like Star Trek, or in his mind, Brigsby Bear is like Star Wars to me, for example. So he just wants to make this film because he loves it so much. And also, you get the impression that actually, like, and what what's really charming about the film is initially, like, his pe- his actual parents are, are completely against it, and then they come round to the fact is actually maybe this would actually be incredible therapy for him. Actually, he wants to make this movie to close on this horrible aspect of his life. It's entirely a bizarre film. The only misstep is it I will funny? say. Yes, it's, any of it's yeah. supposed to be funny. It, I think it, it. I think it's supposed to. I think it's supposed to be like uh, dramedy. I think dramedy would be my. my the, the, uh, apologies for using such a. Yeah, hipster, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah, but no, yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah, I think. That, I think yeah. it, it sums it up well. Yes, it is supposed to be funny. I think. I think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be a, a, a mix of poignant and funny. Um, it's only real misstep, I would say, is Andy Samberg appearing. Um, in like a in a cameo, it kind of took me. Everyone else, you don't really know. I mean, you, you you've seen some of the faces before, but everyone else's faces you don't really know. And I think it's kind of Andy Samberg going, "Well, I've produced this, so I kind of want to be in it." And he okay, he does turn up in a cameo, but you're just like, oh, "Why did I have to see your face?" Like it, it said, "Lonely Island" at the beginning, it kind slightly takes you out of the film. But there's there's a lot to like. It is it is as charming. It is as charming and as bizarre as you might think, but it, it, it steps the right line. It steps the right line. It could have gone very, very wrong, but it, it steps is a good line. Is this available think. anywhere? Can we see this on, on It's on release? limited cinematic release, I think, at the okay. moment. Um, I will say that it was it was shown as being coming soon in Cineworld. And actually, as we're coming, near to the, coming towards the end of the year, and we have had a few drinks, so therefore we're a bit looser than we would be... Um, Cineworld, stop putting posters up for films you're not going to show in your cinema. Simple as that. The films for Brigsby Bear were up in the lobby of the Cheltenham branch and it did not come to Cheltenham. They're not listening. But I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree but, with but, you. But, but, do you know what I mean? Like, it's frustrating, yeah, isn't it? But if, yeah, if, if you're going to put... Like, call me by your name. The posters never went up. They never showed trailers for it. The Florida Project, the posters went up in the Cineworld in Cheltenham and then they didn't show it. And Brigsby Bear posters went up down in, this, in the foyer... Yeah, 
in the foyer and then they never showed it. So don't put posters up in cinemas of films if you're not going to show them. Is that oh, I'm sorry, I think that's a fair point. I yeah, think but I mean, it, it just speaks to the way in which the, the business model is run on, on the fact that when the film rolls out, they don't, or ahead of the film rolling out, they don't maybe know for sure how wide they're going to go. So they put the posters in a bunch of theatres that don't end up getting the film in the end so i think that we but the problem is and i i agree with you but the problem is what i find frustrating with remember this, any is, our, this is our fun christmas this episode. is a fun christmas <laughs> episode and i know i will close on this is actually rather than them showing it in birmingham or bristol they tend cineworld tend to put these art house films on in big cities i'll get fair play we got a ghost story i'll give them that i didn't expect to get that we got that and none of the places didn't but the problem I have is this, is they tend to put them on in big cities, but that is not where they should be showing them, because in big cities you can find an art house cinema to watch that film. It's more important that the big chains show the smaller films in smaller towns where people can actually see them and have nowhere else to watch Paul, them. It's bottom line. Yeah. If they yeah. put them on in a big city, they know they're going to fill the screenings. If they put them on yeah, But they here, won't, because people are going to the art house cinema. No, they'll still fill the screenings. If you put if you put stuff on at Cineworld in, in London or Bristol or or Birmingham or, or Manchester, you're going to have enough in of Bristol, a... In Bristol, people are going to Watershed. You'll have en- yeah, but you'll still have enough of a base to fill those seats. I think that's the... I think you see where I'm coming from, though. Like... No, I, I agree with you on an emotional level, but at a business level, I understand why that decision is made. I don't agree with it, I don't support it, but I see why that happens. And I see why people in smaller-ish towns suffer a little bit, maybe, for yeah. that. But, but anyway, on a positive note, Briggsby Bear, really different, really enjoyable. And it will be streaming soon, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, ab- right? ab- absolutely check it out. It's a very, very heartwarming film. So first popcorn for me this week, Paul, is going to be a film that I saw actually a few months ago and I didn't have a chance to review it then, so I'll talk about it briefly now. It is the film uh, Remainder from visual artist turned film director Omar Fast. This one is an adaptation of a novel that I've actually read, so I guess uh, it held more interest for me from that standpoint. Uh, the author of the original novel is Tom McCarthy. Uh, this film, Remainder, is an intriguing proposition because it deals with the aftermath uh, of an event suffered, or yeah, an event that happens to occur to a particular man in London who's hit on the head inexplicably by, like, falling debris. Or maybe not inexplicably, but, like, it's never made clear where this debris comes from. It lands on his head and... Well, above him, surely. Yes, above above him. Uh, It leads to a a lawsuit in which he is able to claim and receive damages from whoever may have been responsible for this accident. The person above him. And yes, quite. And he then goes about having to decide how he's going to spend the money that he suddenly received in a windfall, figuratively and almost literally as well. Um, The novel plays a lot around with the idea that the man at the centre of this is obsessed with authenticity. So when he has money at his disposal he wants to find a way to experience the authentic. But he begins to um, lean into almost insanity. What he wants to do is recreate a moment in his life. And that moment, he thinks, will trigger his memories and his connection with his past life, some of which he feels he's lost through traumatic like brain trauma. 
However, in order to re recreate that moment, he's going to um, enlist a whole cast of actors to play all the people who were in the situation that he actually experienced in his life to the nth degree. Okay. So he needs a woman downstairs to kind be... Kind of me intrigued. I'm quite excited. I've not heard of this film at well, all. I'm, I'm excited. There's a film saying, that but... should be coming to mind when I explain more. So there's a woman downstairs or a person downstairs who has to cook liver so that he can smell the exact smell of liver. He also needs to see cats on a roof uh, outside of the window. On a hot tin roof. Yeah, maybe on a hot tin roof. <laughs> he, he also needs to encounter a woman as he goes downstairs who's taking out her rubbish. So it's like everything almost in like a Truman Show uh, environment, needs to I'm, be... I'm feeling a bit of Synodoc in New York coming on here. Yeah, your pronunciation as ever is uh, imperfect, but yeah. Synodoc is not imperfect, because I've looked at... I... Synecdoche is the name Synecdoche, of that. Synecdoche, I'm sure. It's I'm called, sure it's I've said the synecdoche. You know, anyway, yes. Anyway, we, on the right page, that's fine. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though, to call out that film. So Charlie Kaufman's film, uh, Synecdoche New York, like, looms large over this plot line. And maybe that's going to hold this film back. I think already this was released in 2015, Remainder, and I'm not sure it's done any great, you know... So next New York was incredible. Yeah. I, and I by the way, that. Paul, that now that you mentioned that film, and I don't think we've really talked about it in the show, currently holds a Metacritic score of 67. What? Which I think is obscene. Um, it's that not, is obscene. It's really not yeah. Charlie Kaufman levels of creativity that you see on screen here at the same time Omar Fast is this visual artist as I said a term film director who has a visual flair and particularly towards the film's conclusion when our protagonist decides to reenact a different scene and I don't want to give too much away about what, what ends up happening here uh, there's real flair here the central performance from Tom Sturridge that we saw in um Far from the Madden crowd as yes. the sort of dashing uh, love interest of Carrie Mulligan there uh, is really, really strong. And I really like Tom Sturridge as an actor. Not everything here works in Remainder, but the novel and the film are worth your time because they're they're intriguing. For, for anybody who's interested in a story that is um, full of sort of ambiguity and intrigue, I, I would recommend both the, the book and the film. Really. Cool. Paul, what have you got second? Uh, Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Um, I have to say, I I don't hold the original in that high regard, so therefore having the sequel doesn't really offend me. I think I think the original Jumanji is fun. There's there's there's, there's enough to like about it. It's, it's charming enough. Um, but that being said, I was still as much as I don't hold the original in that high regard. I was still a little bit cynical about the fact they're doing. It's one of the oh yet another sequel to to yet another like 80s 90s film um and actually as soon as i saw the trailer i thought actually do you know what the cast make this seem like it might be quite good fun um i think my review of this film is going to be fairly fairly quick to be honest i would say that 10 minutes after 10 minutes after you've left the film you've forgotten almost everything that's happened oh, wow. almost everything that's happened but while you're in it while you're in the film it's thoroughly enjoyable. So you've got Kevin Hart and The Rock who play off very, very well together. Um, I haven't seen Change. You've come around on Kevin Hart. I totally to have. I Kevin totally Hart. have, and it's it's because of it's because of a film that you said earlier, or or later, in fact, that you said on a show that we may have pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it away. Yeah. Um, get hard. Yeah, get hard. Yeah. Get hard was the film that changed my mind on Kevin Hart. But obviously, that is something that I would not have heard you say yet. So, 
Um, yeah, so I have come around on Kevin Hart quite a lot, and actually, The Rock and Kevin Hart's uh, in this are are great, and I'm, I, I look forward now to seeing Central Intelligence. Um, Jack Black's on good form here. Um, he Cat- suddenly have he's had a resurgence, hasn't he? I would I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. And Karen Gillan in the Tomb Raider esque outfit. I'm I'm sorry, my wife Laura. You know what I feel about this. Karen Gillan just looks incredible in this. Also, we've been drinking tonight, uh, so Karen Gillan, if you're out there, you look great as a as it's a, a Tomb Raider character. Doctor Who, though, isn't it? Really? It is a bit different from Doctor Who, but but so who are we? Sorry, but, just to recount, who are we expecting listeners to the show now? Karen Gillan, yeah, Cineworld, Ian Cineworld, <laughs> Ian Cineworld. Or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, there, was big, there was a, another big one uh, oh, earlier yes. on. No, that was in the that was in the pre-recorded episode. Yeah, I mean, who cares? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. It's so out, anyway, yeah. so Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. I thought it might have been a disaster. It's not a disaster. What I will say is that it's it, it's there's and there's a number of bits you can actually quite a nice homage to video games. I wish it had gone a little bit deeper into like a pastiche of video games. Uh, it didn't. It, it it makes some nice references to them. I would say in the same way that if you come out of say let's say you've let's say you've played like a three star video game you've come out of going I don't remember what happened but I enjoyed it while I was in it that's Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle right there last thing Paul have you seen yet uh, Jack Black on the Graham Norton show no Okay, yes. on the Graham North, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, then, Jack. Yeah. He does uh, a theme song that he's made up for Jumanji that I don't believe appears anywhere <laughs> oh, in the film. No, it, it's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Like it's worth, yeah, worth digging that out. Yeah, no, it's don't get me wrong. Like, if, I would, I would say that the best way to experience Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle is if you wake up in a mor- on a Sunday morning hungover, like we will in the morning. Unfortunately, Jumanji's not on home release yet. Jumanji is the perfect Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. Much like Jumanji is, to be fair, is the perfect wake up and go, I want something fun this morning and I feel a bit tender. So, Put Jumanji <laughs> Welcome to the Jungle. So maybe not right. the perfect Sunday morning hungover wake up uh, film from my side for number two this week on Popcorn Movies is uh, a film that I saw just this last uh, few days, uh, Like Crazy, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be full and frank in, in my confession here, Paul. I gave this film about a five-year blast radius uh, away from the period in my life in which I was involved in a transatlantic relationship that, in that, well, that really pivoted on on visa status. Can I just interject for a moment here? Because, you can because you mentioned this to me earlier. You gave you'd given it a five-year blast radius, and I think about the time that we first became friends, I may well have talked to you about like crazy, and it's coming back to me now. And you, I. Th- pretty sure you did say to me that you were avoiding it for exactly yeah. those reasons yeah. and I'm fairly confident that is about the time we would have yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that's exactly the time we, we no the chronology uh, is perfect yeah it, yeah. it, it yeah. completely stacks up I mean yeah I, I'm well removed from that situation now so I can get into a film and also I can go into a film directed by one Drake Doremus who uh, was really uh, a director that I had put in the on the naughty step after I saw <laughs> Equals that was Equals a, a film based on the premise that um, what would happen if no one had any emotion? You know what would happen? A really, really dull sci-fi film. That's what. But um, like crazy, I mean, what do you want? I mean, Felicity Jones makes me cry on impact, as I've talked about when we, we've discussed. She is, uh, she's a great actress. Uh, a Monster a Calls. Actress, yeah. And then uh, Anton Yelchin, the late Anton Yelchin, uh, sadly departed at only age, what, 27, I think. Uh, quite 
recently are the the two leads here the the central relationship develops because the felicity jones character goes to the united states to study she meets an american played by anton yelchin they are then um very quickly involved with one another but the fatal error that they make is that felicity jones overstays her visa in the united states and this mistake comes back to haunt their relationship almost indefinitely for the rest of the film. The film was shot on SLR cameras, um, but rather impressively, I would say. Um, the film made in 2011 uh, that I think made the best of that technology. There are some fantastic... I would say uh, that, in fairness, about 2011, most... Having, having been bearing in mind what Strangers in Cinema once was... At that point, I think that was the time where everyone was shooting on SLR cameras. Yeah, it so became a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, is, it is still a thing because it, it makes sense to do it. But anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, and it, and it helps here when you're trying to shoot things intimately and mm. you don't want to have a load of equipment in a small space. Yeah, it, it works well. Also, here you have like some really smart um, and elegantly put together sequences. For example, the director often uh, Drake Deramus, this is speeds up time so that you have the two protagonists, for example. Uh, lying side by side on a bed together and then you see them through a whole summer so two and a half months through um, sort of uh, what would you call that time-lapse yeah. photography whereby they're just moving position on the bed uh, and, and sort of lurching from one uh, tryst to the next one so yeah I, I think a lot of this stuff is effective I thought it would like rip my heart out it definitely didn't do that because I think that there are a couple of problems, not least the fact that Anton Yelchin essentially seems to make one wooden chair. And the reason that he can't move to the United Kingdom is because he couldn't move his one chair business to a trendy area of London where he would definitely sell that one chair. But I would say in the film... It was 2011, there was no trendy areas of London I... in 2011. <laughs> I would say... That was pre... 2011 was pre-hipster. This, this is the profound part. <laughs> wow, yeah. I would say in the film's defence, and maybe I'm over-crediting the director, um, I would say that with the benefit of my own experience, something that I felt quite profoundly in this film, whether it was meant to be there or not, is that the Anton Yelchin character didn't... The reason that he didn't move to the UK wasn't really about moving his business. It was about the fact that he was generally reluctant to uproot his own life for the person that he was with. And that speaks volumes for the reason that I didn't watch this for five years after Fair the di dissolution enough. of my own relationship. But, I, you know, enough about like crazy. It's it's a good film. It's not a great film. I will say I watched it in the same fortnight as I watched Blue Valentine. And mm, that basically, wow. I'm glad I was in a strong relationship when I watched both of those films. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. and, and sorry, the last point in this, Paul, that's, that's worth a, a mensch is that um, the Anton Yelchin alternate love interest in this film. Do you remember who it was? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, yes. yeah. Just fresh off Winter's yes. Bone. Yeah, Winter's yeah, yeah. Bone was 2010, this was 2011. Yes. So, yeah, at that point, nothing like the superstar that she is now. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting for that reason as well. But, yeah, I, I would... And Alex Kingston's in this, and I like her. But, um, yeah, I would I would fairly, fairly uh, strongly recommend Like Crazy. Uh, check it out. It's streaming. It's on Amazon Prime. What have you got, Jack? Have you got a popcorn? I do have a popcorn. It's uh, Christmas, you're allowed to say. I am allowed a Christmas popcorn let's, movie. Let's see if you get more of a say in the new year. Let's see how you do Ooh, now. Oh, I don't know. Now's your let's test. See. My test. Okay. This episode's already going <laughs> do long. Do I want a shot? No. Uh, this episode's going long, you guys. Yes, I don't care. Let's <laughs> Pull it this. back. Oh, uh, my popcorn movie this week, uh, I watched it during 
this week. Uh, it's called Gold. <laughs> Uh, it stars Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey yes, yes. Uh, I've not caught up with the tall. Who actually year, in this uh, film has to put on quite a bit of weight. I think he put on like a pound a or pa- something. Four pounds, forty-five wow. pounds, maybe. What a lot of weight. But I apparently, that, I that uh, in a week. To, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, to put on this weight, he had to eat cheeseburgers, milkshakes, and beer. Oh, what a terrible! I think like I learned that really through, Gra- through Graham Norton as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, dropping that um, name again, and terrible he had to wear like fake teeth. To make him look undesirable. What, yeah. what did you think of the film? Uh, I thought the film was was okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were there were some really nice sort of scenes of Indonesia and stuff. Uh, the film was trying. They were trying to search for gold. Mm. Um, he was a mining company, uh, and basically he um, lost all his money. And then he had to try and get something back to win all of his money back. Because I feel like Jack, this film has been slightly buried by like it has, yeah, absolutely. by like middling reviews and stuff like yeah. that. Do you think that this is worth? I, I'm sorry for, for this because it's about mining gold. But is this a, like a piece of gold that's worth mining for people, or is it that you could just well, give it it's, a miss? It's based. It was set in sort of the same time as uh, the Wolf of Wall Street uh, to do with the stocks and stuff. There is like a part of the movie which is surrounding the stocks. Um, it felt to me from the trailer like it was a cash-in on the success of Wolf of Wall It was, absolutely. It's like... Uh, Which is why I haven't sorted it out, to be it's, fair. It's a slightly worse version of Wolf of Wall Street, I must admit. Um, but for me, Matthew McConaughey is quite a good actor to watch. I think he can play certain characters that you wouldn't expect other people to play, especially like Dallas Buyers Club and com- stuff like that. He seemed committed to the yeah. role as he was with yeah. Dallas Buyers Club and Wolf of Wall Street as well it's just that maybe the screenplay doesn't like I mean you said it it's coming not, into this review like it's all fairness, right in fairness he seemed committed to his role in Dark Tower but the film was still a bag of shit I wouldn't say but I think I he's, a, he's a committed he's, actor he's yeah. a committed actor I'll give him oh, that he much is, yeah, yeah, I just think he needs to I think he's and it's an he improvement seems to, he from seems early, to, early well, he seems to have come back from the reconnaissance and then drifted into average work again I don't think he does it deliberately no I just think he seems to have drifted because I think gold, like gold a lot of people got average views Dark Tower was terrible and, and I just and, think he's like, to drift back just, into that. Just like, to like drop in on that for a second, like uh, it's fun. Everyone had fun saying the word reconnaissance and stuff. But like Matthew McConaughey made a couple of good movies. Like yeah, Mark yeah, Kermode, yeah, Mark yeah, yeah. Kermode made a, a, a name for that, and that's that's fun. But at the same time, you know, in that period, Matthew McConaughey also made not particularly great movies. I mean, let's not get carried away. It's not as if he made a, a yeah, yeah, but in fact, half a dozen but, belters yeah, no, in no, a row. Yeah, but he made he made better films than Fool's Gold or Sahara. So it was an improvement. Yes, yeah, definitely. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> but it, it wasn't as if he sort of came back yeah, but to I would greatness. say this is like, you know... Uh, his his, his Oscar peak says that you're wrong. But I'm not wrong because I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that one or two good films doesn't necessarily yeah. make a reconnaissance man of McConaughey. Say... It's basically just the modern infatuation with combining words and finding that to be clever, where it's not actually that clever. But yeah, uh, are you trying to say that one swallow doesn't make a summer? Maybe. <laughs> uh, gold marks out of. Marks out of marks out of ten. ten. Mark, we're we're not really doing, doing Mark, that. No, we're not, no, doing, we're not that. doing marks out. We're not doing marks out of ten. We've I would say it's gold. Worse. Is it gold, silver, or bronze, Jack? There we go. I, like that. I think I like that. Uh, bronze. Bronze. Yeah. Bronze. Okay. Cool. Matthew McConaughey is the star of bronze. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, let's get the hell out of this part. Yes. We're yeah. going to come back with another let's part. Have an interval. And another part is going to be a big old review of Star Wars The Last Jedi after this. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. Right, so here we are. Genuinely filled with excitement because of the way we've done the podcast in the past. I've never got to fully talk about, or we've never done a feature review of a Star Wars film Here on we are. the podcast. Here we are, looking right. So, in front of me, I can see a four pa- a four piece canvas with X wings flying across the water and seen from the Force Awakens. I can see a Star Wars box set here. I can see a poster that says "Vote Leia for First Senator." I can also see an Empire Strikes Back poster. So, in case you had any doubt from what you've heard on the podcast, I'm a fucking huge Star Wars fan. So. Before we hear a clip, I'm going to do. I'm going to set up the Last Jedi. Yeah, briefly set it up for anyone who's not aware where we are in this sprawling saga. Now we're at episode number eight, the Last Jedi. Right. Where, where does this? So fit in? it basically picks up from the end of Force Awakens, where the the, the First Order have been uh, have had their yet another Death Star destroyed. Um, and we basically are set up with the fact that okay, they've yes, they have destroyed their super planet, but the new republic has been decimated by this super weapon, and the resistance are pretty much on their last legs, and uh, have been forced into massive retreat by the incredible imperial power of um, uh, um, Gra- the, the Snoke's. What's Snoke called? The grand, the grandmaster Snoke called. The Snoke, yeah. Supreme, Supreme Leader, Leader Snoke, Supreme, Supreme Leader, Leader Snoke. My apologies, Supreme Leader Snoke and Kylo Ren. Uh, the First Order have basically run the rebellion into the ground, and there seems to be about four ships left, and they are completely on the back foot, um, despite the fact that Rey has found Luke Skywalker. Um, here's a clip. Darkness rises, and light to meet it. Should I jump in an X-Wing and blow something up? Permission granted. Come on! We are the spark for the light, the fire that will burn the first order down. So where do we start, Pete? Do we start? Do we start with what you thought of it as a film? Because I, I can't really be unbiased because Star Wars for me, is life, basically. Let's be perfectly frank. Like, I live and breathe Star Wars, like, without a shadow of a doubt. So, do we start with your thoughts as an objective critic? Do we start with my thoughts as a Star Wars fan? Where where do we go? I I don't know how objective I am. I mean, I guess I kind of almost come at it from a sort of Star Wars contrarian point of view, where there is a part of me that quite genuinely doesn't it's not that I don't understand why Star Wars is a popular franchise. It's more that I feel that that has got so overblown, particularly when we went through the prequels, which I think some of that, if you're not going into those prequels as a, a pre-existing Star Wars fan, they're just just terrible pieces of, of filmmaking. Some of the They were du- terrible pieces of filmmaking as a Star Wars fan, right. to be honest. <laughs> uh, some of the exchanges, you know, between uh, the older Anakin and uh, the uh, Natalie Portman character in episode, I guess, two, yeah. uh, are, are some of the worst things I've seen in the cinema in, in my lifetime, I would, I would imagine. Uh, coming into this one, my expectations were middling, I think. 
the reason that they weren't lower is because the director of this film is of course Ryan Johnson that we know and love from things like Brick um, and uh, elsewhere I mean well, Looper. Looper of course we talked about as well with like Breaking Bad and all the kinds of stuff that, that Ryan Johnson's a very young film director has already done uh, so what did I think of The Last Jedi I I enjoyed the beginning of this film I enjoyed the end of this film and I found some of the middle of it so tedious as to almost send me to sleep um, are you slating Star Wars with me in the room That's just... I'm not I'm not really slating Star Wars Paul I just I just felt that the, the crux of this film as it is titled The Last Jedi or the hux of the film perhaps right right <laughs> was, there's, a, there's an injury yeah. was, was about bringing uh, Mark Hamill back onto the scene and Unfortunately, I think that that is one of the film's biggest weaknesses because I think that Mark Hamill, uh, bless his soul, uh, as an older actor now, had a hard time in convincing me that he was the great white hope for that resistance when he looks physically quite decrepit and also has these almost lifeless exchanges with the Ray character uh, on that island that formed this kind of um, resurgence of the, the the Jedi life or whatever, where we're supposed to believe that he is uh, going to redress the balance and aid the resistance in countering an almost unbeatable force. So I guess that's a problem for me. I thought that um, Adam Driver, as he was in the previous film, was was good and I think Adam Driver is is good in in most things I think Daisy Ridley uh does her best but often comes off to me sounding quite like raw and quite like a sort of public school girl from somewhere in middle England and that's not her fault but I'm not sure that she's the the strongest strongest actress in the world I appreciate the Carrie Fisher stuff but then at the same time there's a sense that well I don't know I'll I'll let you in on on the conversation now Paul to say that like I suppose one sticking point for me is that if you're not already a Star Wars fan some of the times where the film is is really uh, drifting into tedium what we're supposed to be dragged out of that tedium by is just simply bringing icons onto the screen here's Yoda here's Luke Skywalker here is Princess Leia and a lot of the fan base that's enough. Here are these characters that we recognise. Th- these are things that we know. And for me, coming as a sort of outsider, that's not enough. I mean, if I'm honest, to me, Chewbacca, irritating. C-3PO, barely watchable. Uh, R2-D2, no. Like, it-, it feels to me like those things that people hold so dear from the original trilogy feel so played out as to can't we reinvent ourselves better than this but jump in and tell me why I'm wrong and uninformed please you're not wrong um, to be honest uh, I went to the midnight screening I was incredibly excited I went to the double bill um, I will say something and I will say uh, kudos to Cineworld for doing an incredible job of creating an atmosphere during The Force Awakens they sent stormtroopers into the screen which was wicked they had a, 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 a R2-D2 driving around it was very very cool as you've probably seen on Instagram so I will give kudos to Cineworld for, for the presentation of this um, and I you know having someone that's been to Star Wars Celebration so I, I don't think I need to say any further how much of a Star Wars fan I actually am the guy 
guys' gifts are, are, are wrapped in Star Wars wrapping paper. So, as far as I'm concerned, I would I want to have it out with a Star Wars fan that actually really liked this film because I I am sorry I did not. I I don't get what he was trying to do in the slightest. First thing wrong. The tone was all over the shop. As far as I'm concerned, this is an unfortunate byproduct of it being under the Disney umbrella, whereas all they tried to do was throw joke after joke after joke after joke after joke after joke after joke at the screen. And unfortunately, for something like this, Star Wars does have some level of gravitas to it. Empire Strikes Back, which is universally and should be regarded as by far the best of the Star Wars films, is not a funny film. It is a dark film. It is it is well put together Hollywood entertainment, but it is still a dark film. So the end of Force Awakens is so fucking good where they just hold Luke back and Luke's not in it and Luke's not in it. You're like, when's Luke coming in? When's Luke coming to it? Force Awakens has its faults. It does occasionally retread the same ground as New Hope. I, I'll admit that, but it worked. For me, it worked. And then that end scene where you're like, so Ray turns up, Luke's there, and this minor spoiler warning. So, so you see this, she hands Luke the lightsaber, he throws it over his shoulder. Ha, 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 not funny. Like, not funny. So throughout the rest of the film, Luke is set up as this kind of weird comic relief character, which doesn't work because he's the hero of the original trilogy. For me, it just doesn't work. The tone is just massively, massively off. Um, and then you get you get this whole subplot of you get the whole subplot of like uh, of of the Finn character. He goes to this casino planet. Um, John Boyega, right? John Boyega's character. Yeah, goes to this casino planet, which uh, and also also they had this whole thing in uh, in Force Awakens in the promo promo for Force Awakens. Real sets, real people, minimal CGI. You've got this whole setup on this casino planet where Benicio del Toro is introduced, and the whole casino planet scene. You've got this chase. It feels it feels a bit like a moment out of Harry. You've got these overly cute characters. It feels like it, the Casino Planet scene feels like a scene out of the prequels, just overly CGI heavy, with nothing I can actually believe would have happened, and just feels completely inconsequential to the rest of the plot. It, um, it felt like a scene that could have been in something like Valerian. Yeah, totally, completely, and not in this real sets new approach to Star Wars thing. Like it just felt like, and then you've got. I'm trying not to rant. I'm I'm trying to keep this structured, and I, I will do my best. But I I came out very frustrated, as you can probably tell. And then you've got you've got a number of scenes that you see. So you've got the porgs, like the cute like hamsteress characters. And you're like, okay, but too much of them. Like, yeah, that's it's a toy I mean, advert. It's just that, it's that just that a toy me, advert Paul for Disney. Felt like, felt like the biggest obvious as it again you know reiterating as an outsider maybe to this but it felt like the biggest concession to the to the disney deal that you had these uh, characters when we've had things like the uh, guardians of the galaxy character uh remind me the little sticky cute one Guardians of the Galaxy, Come yeah, on. little group, little mini yeah, group, group, mini group, group. Yeah. yeah, 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 mini group or baby group, baby group, right? It felt like that. It felt like oh, well, the we... baby group was all handled. He was handled. Minimally. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I'm not saying that. I'm not throwing shade on that film. I'm just saying that it felt a very calculated move to have a cute little yeah, yeah, character yeah. that has nothing to input. No, and also, really. and also, so at the end of the Force Awakens, you have Luke on this supposedly deserted island. Amazing that's very very cool you're like Luke's alone on this island and then when Last Jedi starts Luke's not alone on his island he's got these he's got these poor characters around him and then he's got these other 
weird looking cute things in like dresses <laughs> and then there's this horrible horrible scene where Luke fucking drinks like green milk from the tit of an alien oh, creature that's so yeah, that was like, grim. Luke is supposed to be this massive hero character what is going on <laughs> and then when Luke finally opens his mouth he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder and I'm like uh, what I nearly, nearly cried I think like, it was I the most awkward like, conversation. What is this now? What ever. have you tried to do? So you, why are you turning this into like a, a goofball comedy? Like, I admire, I admire the fact that some of the some of the plot twists were trying to do something different. I'll give Ryan Johnson credit for that. Do something different with it, yes, hundred percent. But don't change the tone of the film to be a Marvel like it felt like fucking Avengers. It felt like there were so many quips, and there's um, there's the Luke and Leia are reunited. That happens the first thing they say is a joke to each other. I'm like, come on. Like The, the weight of the, the, the universe is supposed to be at stake and every time there's jokes. Like, And also, like, it just the tone didn't work. It was suddenly, it was, it was really dark. So the, the, the new rebellion's under threat. It was really dark. And then there was a joke. There, there are some good moments. The lightsaber jewel in Snoke's throne room is incredible. Like, that looked fantastic. It's it's a straight nod to Kajimusha, and it's fantastic. Ryan Johnson does know his films. Like, the, the use of the colours well, is great. One thing but, one thing I thought, Paul, about that scene and film the film as a whole is that when Adam Driver signed up to this series as this sort of thespian serious actor and maybe asked about the role, it's like they could not only say... Uh, he could ask them, where is the conflict for my character, as he would as a serious actor, and they would say, well, your character is literally conflict you know personified or embodied right like everything about that Kylo Ren character is internal conflict and so you can absolutely see why an actor like that would gravitate towards oh no I I get I get it and I I think actually um he's one of the best things in it I'd like I'd like the the conflict with his character but then there's 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 other there's other storylines and fuck it I'm gonna go a little bit in spoiler territory here because I would say most people listen to the podcast by the time this goes out which is Monday Tuesday are probably going to have seen Star Wars let's, let's be frank um you've got the whole like the the poe dameron storyline that and you've got laura dern's character who won't tell poe dameron what the plan is so poe dameron goes on this plan all of his own that basically gets most of the reliance killed off yeah. and you're like what that makes let's, no sense let's it just drop no in sense, here like, on this point um that the, the uh laura dern character as you as you mentioned we can't skim over the fact that Laura Dern is in this film. And um, while she is given screen time, which is relatively minimal, I think she does a really good job of embodying that character. And then the Poe Dameron character, if I'm not mistaken, is that the Oscar Isaac character? Yeah. 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 Again, I think one of the strongest performances in the film is Oscar Isaac, who is a guy who is really good in in most things. And I want to get your perspective on this, Paul, because I've heard, um, or read, I should say, some other sort of hardcore or more hardcore Star Wars fans saying that when they watched the opening sequence in this movie, they were quite worried. Coming from a different perspective, I actually thought the opening sequence in this film was one of the best sequences in the entire film. The bombing sequence that we had with the uh, switch that was balanced on like a, an edge. Yeah, I liked the, it. I know. I, I I don't have any issue. I with thought, the like, sequence. from a technical point of view, I yeah. thought that was executed absolutely beautifully. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But then there's there's other from from like from in terms of like the story the story making sense. There's 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 so many problems. Is the fact that. You see the the opening sequence, and then you have the you have the bit in the trailer where um, the the Tie Fighters are attacking and have pretty much destroyed the um, pretty much destroyed the uh, the, re- the the Resistance cruiser. 
and then he just stop and go, oh no, they're out of range of our cannons. And then for the rest of the film, they just can't send fighters that they already sent in the beginning of the film. And it basically results in one of the slowest chases and in cinema <laughs> history uh, with a plan that is just, just stupid. Um, and then you've got the whole, the whole, like the, the way that, the way that Luke is handled. I just, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Just no, like it, it looked great, but it just didn't. I respect the fact they took risk and there are moments in it and I'm t- there are moments in it like the way the Snoke character is handled is frustrating but actually kind of interesting it's Andy Serkis it's Andy Serkis yeah and I, I, I unexpected plot twists should be applauded but just because something's different doesn't mean that Star Wars fans have to like it and I've read a lot of people going well, Star Wars fans hate The Force Awakens because it, 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 tr- it trod similar ground. Well, I actually didn't hate Force Awakens, and I did like the fact it trod some similar ground. But this just did, this felt my biggest problem with this is it felt like fucking Iron Man. It felt like this is what Disney are going to do to every one of their franchises, and there was a quip every forty seconds, and it just did not work. Like the humor in Force Awakens was more than I expected, but used to good effect, and in my opinion, still used sparingly. The humour in this was just all the time. I'm just like, no, you can't just you can't just have the weight of the galaxy in play, and then suddenly someone makes a joke, oh, oh, my hair, oh, oh, hi, Luke, my hair's changed, that's what you were going to say, and then suddenly, oh, now I've got to go and fight Kylo Ren. I was like, no, it doesn't work. I mean, I think like, that, I, I would jump in on that point and say, I, I agree with you, however, I thought that the Carrie Fisher stuff they had to tread fairly lightly and delicately around the fact that the film, I don't know the chronology and you guys might be able to fill me in on this, but like Carrie Fisher obviously has passed away. Um, She'd finished the film before she passed away. All scenes finished? Yeah. For sure? Yeah, despite that really clumsy scene where she comes back to life. Right. Which I thought they might have added in afterwards. Because it almost seemed like there was a certain amount of pathos and maybe it was accidental in the film. As far as I'm aware, from what I've read, she finished the film before um, before the end. Right, but yeah, I I, I mean, I thought some of that stuff was relatively well handled. I I think that the the thing that, that let me down is that we had this extended period of time on that island whatever that island's called uh, between the Mark Hamill character Luke Skywalker and uh, Daisy Ridley which I just felt like in a franchise and a film of this magnitude was so flat it just felt so flat I agree I agree there like was when no, we've just seen no Thor, them, we've yeah. just seen Thor Ragnarok where they again go there's the scene with the father and the uh, Chris Hemsworth character and uh, Tom Hiddleston on the edge of a cliff with an old man. Like it felt kind of very much a retread of that territory because they're just rehashing the same stuff again. And then you know, I mentioned this to you, Paul, off off mic, but uh, someone wrote a a letterbox review that was one sentence and I found it very funny, which was uh, what this film needed was more cross cutting. My word, is there a lot of cross cutting in this film? Like, oh, here we are in one scene, but this scene sort of mirrors this other scene, so we're going to cut back and forth between the action and I understand why that exists but I wish it had a bit more momentum and as we got towards the end of the film I felt again yeah, yeah, like I was on side like, but the, the first the first hour was shite as far as I'm concerned the first hour was shit like it was just CGI heavy and you've got this whole thing real people real sets real fucking I'm, I'm repeating that because that's all they banged on about when the Force Awakens was made yet this there's so many CGI heavy set pieces um, BB-8 riding Natat come on like, like it just felt a lot of it to me. It felt more like a prequel than it did 
like the original trilogy or Force Awakens. But it really it, felt like they treaded back on that ground again. But on again. that like, point, Paul, doesn't it feel like at a certain stage, with now that we're not saying, okay, Star Wars is a trilogy, now, as it was, I guess, intended, it was six films because we went back to the prequels, but now we're rolling out from that. If we don't get away from these certain iconic characters in different situations, all that we're going to get a lot of the time is... What about if this iconic character did this thing? Fine. I completely agree with you. No, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. I don't want that. No, I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. But not every single film that Disney produces has to have a quip every 40 seconds. Especially when the cast aren't capable of delivering it and the first film in the trilogy does not have a quip every 40 seconds. That's my biggest problem with it, is the tone was completely off. Yeah, and don't don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is actually implicitly a criticism of the film, which is that if you're going to just move around the same pieces on the chessboard of Star Wars, you're just going to go oh, what's the next scenario where we can have Yoda show up and quip something and then disappear and come back in another... No, but no, I agree with you. But the point, the point is, the point is, the Marvel films, the Marvel films, which is what clearly Disney have tried to turn this into, started by being light-hearted and quip-heavy. Simple as that. The Star Wars films, especially if you look at Empire Strikes Back, the best Star Wars film, was not light-hearted and not quip-heavy. There was a tiny, there was enough humour in it with the comedy relief and the droids, but Star Wars wasn't that. And yet, like, it wasn't that. And yet, Paul, as as we as we bring this uh, Starfighter into dock, because uh, me- I am not happy. Meta, meta <laughs> score, meta score at time of airing this episode. 86. Fuck off. 86. Right. Wow. And I'm going to call... Um, do you know what? I'm calling it. I'm calling this. And I didn't... I don't want... Uh, do you know what? I didn't want to ever have to say this. But I would say there are... There is a guy that I went to primary school with who I haven't really spoken to since primary school who messaged me on Facebook last night. What did you think of The Last Jedi? I was like, yeah, kind of saddened to be honest. He was like, yeah, I agree with you. Had some problems. I, I didn't hate it because the, the set pieces are incredible as they should be. Um, but every single person that I've spoken to that I know that is a Star Wars fan had the same problems with me as as had the same problems with the film as me. So as far as I'm aware, from every mainstream outlet I've checked a review on, they've all at least given it four out of five stars. I'm I'm calling it Disney are fucking paying them off. I'm calling it. I'm sorry. I'm calling it. Oh, stop the stop. What the did you know? Oh, no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what did you give it on Letterboxd, Pete? Uh, yeah, but two and a half out of five. Three. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, who am I? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not a Star Wars guy, as you know. I, I would say that I would give Force Awakens maybe three. This two and a half. Uh, the original trilogy, I, I like, but don't love, and they're not dear to my heart. So, like, who am I really? But yeah, from my outside perspective, I want a, a good an interesting sort of sci-fi action film and I felt like I got about a third of that and then I got a lot of like um, overly long exposition and I got a lot of just fan service and that stuff bored me so yeah I don't know I don't think I got enough fan service and I just got just a film that was tonally all over the shop but fan service I just mean maybe maybe we're, we're talking about different things Paul but I mean like fan service like look BB-8's a thing now Oh look, 
you know Yoda, he's a thing. Like, I mean, like, lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Answers, no, that's right, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we seem super negative, and it's the Christmas episode, and we're going to be back very soon with our Christmas portion where we'll talk about Christmas stuff and give each other presents and cheer the fuck up. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Right, so anyway. Despite me not liking Star Wars, let's get fucking positive, people. Christmas! Let's get positive. It's it Christmas. Is that time it's Christmas. Of year. We've been drinking. Um, let's. Pause right, okay. Drinking. So, Pause what I want to hear from you, Pete. So, basically, Pete, you name your favourite Christmas film and you, then you get a present. Okay, well, I haven't thought about this at all, but I'm going to say that my favourite Christmas film uh, off the top of my head is A Christmas Story. You know, A Christmas Story there, Jack? You know it, Paul? No. Yeah, you do. Okay, it's famous. Famous. You do. A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story is the movie where the little boy gets his tongue stuck to the pole because it's uh, covered in ice. Yeah, sure. It's also the same. It's the same movie where the dad. The dad mail orders a lamp, and the lamp is a sexy lady's leg, and he puts it up in the house, and it causes all kinds of controversy. But more than anything, it's the movie where uh, the the little boy, the protagonist, I guess, in the film. Uh, wants a present for Christmas, which is a, a BB gun, and his mum keeps telling him that he'll have his eye out if he gets a BB gun, and uh, he wants to get past the sort of uh, doubting uh, or the doubts of his his parents and just get what he wants. And we've all been in that position, right? Yeah, absolutely. That way, you want that present that your parents don't want to get you. I was there so many times, not least as a kid, where we were walking home uh, just before Christmas. You know when your parents have got the shopping bags and you look through the bag and try and see what they've bought, right? I saw a square thing with a disc shape on it. Now, we're talking early 90s, Paul. Uh, I'm looking at you just because Jack is so many decades younger than we are. Um, (laughs) So we're talking a a thing, dark in colour, black, uh, square or rectangular, with a circular central part. What could that be? Uh, a, mis- a misshapen vinyl record? That's right, Paul. A Mega Drive. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Nintendo 64. I, I convinced myself that it was a Mega Drive. And I was just like, play it cool, play it cool. You're getting the best Christmas well, present that, in I, the world. Uh, I once went under my mum's bed. Bet you did. Yeah, just leave it at that. uh, (laughs) I saw uh, an Xbox, an original Xbox, under the bed. I was like, cool, it's two weeks till Christmas. It wasn't for you, was it? Yeah. It was for me, actually. And uh, I was like, mum, I already knew. But she was obviously quite pissed off. What I like about that story is the way that you've jacked my story with a worse story. So my yeah. story finishes like this. Do you want a present? <laughs> I thought it was a Mega Drive. Hold on. <laughs> I thought it was a Mega Drive, Paul. But what you're asking yourself, you're racking your brain. What was it, though? What was it? I'll tell you, Paul. It was an alarm clock. <laughs> it was an alarm clock. A Mega clock. Drive alarm clock? It was smaller. An alarm than... clock like a Mega Drive. I, been amazing. I was naive. It was smaller than a regular Mega Drive. So I should have known that it wasn't that, but it was an alarm clock. Yes, I want a Christmas present. What have you okay, got? Okay, so what would you like to open? I think open... Open the gifts from my sister first. A regular listener, but my sister. So, these, so let's, let's all open these together, in fact, I think. Okay. Let's all open these together. Get this on mic. Fantastic. So right. we, it's like a it's small, small We've actually... So, so all other listeners out there, pay attention. 
We've got Christmas presents from listener who, Sick. by our own admission, has listened to about four shows this year and still bought us presents. So, nice. regular, regular oh. listeners, she's please pay attention. She's absolutely sellotape this she's, she's to properly, the point. I still don't 100% know what it is. No. Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen what it is yet, oh. to be honest. So. It's amazing. That's amazing. It's a badge. Yeah, but you know who that is. Have you got the same as me? Yes! Yes, we have all got... Have you got the same? We've yes. all got Werner Herzog got badges. Werner Herzog. And do you know why we've got Werner Herzog badges, listeners at home? Because that episode is on, I would imagine by now, three and a half thousand listeners. Three and a half thousand downloads That's on that incredible. episode, you guys. Which is incredible. So yes, thank you, uh, Jennifer Anderson, my sister, with this for the is... Werner Herzog bag with some roses around it. Amazing. That's incredible. Yes. From the Friends Centre. Genuinely incredible. I don't know whether that will top my present to Pete or not. Um, but how. yes, so we will put up a picture of ourselves wearing the Werner Herzog badge, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so Jack, before we go, before we open some more presents, yes, please tell us about your favourite Christmas film. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favourite Christmas. Well, why film. bring it up then? Yeah, it's more, shut up, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's more <laughs> of a scene from a Christmas film. Uh, it's a scene from The Holiday. Uh, it's when... Which is a film I never thought would come up on this yes, podcast. Yes, I know, sorry. It's when <laughs> Jack Black and I forget is that her name... Is Jack? No, it's when Jack Black and I forget Kate her Winslet. name... Kate Cameron Winslet. Cameron Diaz. Jesus. Yeah. All right, sorry. Kate Winslet are in the video store and uh, Jack Black starts humming the tune from The Graduate... Anyway, uh, Merry Christmas. Um, uh, I, I just present, wanna, is it present time? <laughs> I just, I just want to throw in on, on behalf of uh, of uh, Jen Anderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- this struck me as I got this badge uh, with Werner's face on it. Uh, that at Christmas time, I believe the common denominator of the universe <laughs> is not harmony, but chaos, hostility, and murder. Anyway. Good. Paul, moving swiftly Should we have a along. present? I think we need a present to clean the palette. Jack, do you want a present? I'm going to give you a present, right. Jack. I'm going to give you a present. Straight from me to you. A pre- you. Oh, actually, I've got a, a card for you as well, Jack. Oh. Oh. For oh. you and your good lady, uh, Frankie. Oh, over thank there. you. Is it Frankie with a Y? Because we yes, thought you it was. Yes, right, yeah. What have we got? That's actually oh. live present opening, people. Oh. Duh. That's oh. amazing. Oh, damn. You bought him a good present. Pete, <laughs> Pete, you bought him a good present. Jack, can you describe what this gift is? So this yeah. gift <laughs> is a We're bubble taking hat a photo of that in a with, uh, I forget his name. Will Ferrell. Santa, Will Ferrell. The, word, Will. the word Santa. Santa with Will Ferrell from Elf, which was going to be my favourite Christmas film. But, uh, you should have brought that up to be honest I probably should have done <laughs> Sorry. it would have locked locked in with the uh, present but it's okay because okay. we got the, uh, that's, the other that's, that's a great present part of that oh, thank no, you labels. so much it's that also got cool. like a little audio component that you've partly heard on the mic so yeah let's play it directly into the mic hold on I you've just... probably heard it like nine times already <laughs> we'll play it directly into the mic I'll see you tomorrow morning 8am <laughs> that would definitely hurt your ears. Uh, right, so but he got a much nicer present than his film choice. Um, so what we're going to do next is it me now? Yes, it is. Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, obviously. Yeah, but Chevy Chase—that's awkward. 
Oh yeah, it's shit. not really. He just got in arguments with Dan mm. Harmon. It's just a think, knob. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And that's when I'm Christmas Vacation is one of the few Christmas films I will watch year in, year out. Um, it's just silly. Um, it's just very yeah. It's just it's just very silly. I enjoy it a lot. The, my favourite scene is when they get the Christmas tree home and the Christmas tree just bursts out the top of the house. And my second favourite scene is when they cut when. It's it's just knowingly stupid when they turn the Christmas lights on and the entire city block just powers down. Yeah, I've got a lot of love for Christmas Vacation because it's just it's just a bit silly. And it's and, all uh, that that whole movie is like uh, predicated on whether or not Chevy Chase's character gets his Christmas bonus. Yeah, job, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so desperate. And actually, the, the message the message at the end is quite positive. It's just like yeah, you might you know. Dude, like, honestly, you rely, people rely on these Christmas bonuses. It's quite a positive message to send to... If you haven't got a Christmas bonus this year, then show your managing director a Christmas vacation, and there's no doubt in my mind he will pay you a Christmas bonus. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure that's going to happen. And yeah. we, we uh, mentioned it just, what, a couple of episodes ago, but uh should be mentioned around Christmas movies. It's A Wonderful Life, right, that we've just reviewed. Yes. That's got to be up there, because... Although I don't think that's a perfect film, and I had a couple of problems with it, I guess, on, on second viewing, or sort of pr- properly first viewing, I, I would say, uh, it is seminal uh, in terms of that. Oh yeah, totally, in terms of like in terms of the, the, the message and the positivity. Another, do you want your present, Paul? I do want a present, yeah. Okay, so... I do. thought I could give him a present. Well, go ahead, yeah, Can I have two... Could... Jump in. No. Loads of gifts. Loads of gifts. There's no all real right. order here, I mean, this is Let's all falling apart, the, as you can uh... probably gather. The Santa sack. See what I've got. Hold on, hold on. While Ooh. you're while you're going into your sack, um, <laughs> <laughs> shall I? Shall I? Let's get a shot together for me and Pete. Do you want a shot, Jack? A Christmas shot. A Christmas shot. An audio yeah. shot. So we've got, audio we've got shot. just just so the listeners at home are aware that we I think we've held it together quite well, but we've lost all semblance of normality now. Uh, we're drinking uh, bison grass vodka. Would you like a shot of bison grass vodka, Jack? As it's Christmas, I, I feel like I this doesn't all need to be on air. But Jack, uh, what are you getting out of your sack? Let's have a look. <laughs> oh, it's round. Uh... <laughs> 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 uh, let's have a look. Right here you are. It's a Christmas gift for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you've wrapped it well. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no wrapper, guys. Um, that's fantastic. What thank is you. that, Paul? Describe uh, it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a Marvel Iron Man print. That is very cool. It is very cool, yes. It's like a kind of... And actually, I'm looking... Actually, I have, a, I have a space in a frame because the last Jedi print that I have up is coming down. So Straight there, in is the a, bin. there is a space. Okay, there is a space. You're ready for it. Also, seem to have another gift that you have wrapped up. Yeah. What's this? It seems to be some... Just, just a pair of three D glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Are these the ones you uh, got today? <laughs> uh, for listeners at home, the three D glasses that I wore to watch the Last Jedi. Oh, that's a collector's <laughs> item, Paul. Yeah, so it's a collector's <laughs> item. You could have eBayed that Cheers, shit mate. for like one ninety nine or something right. like that. There was a moment where I thought I haven't known you long enough for you to understand my obtuse sense of humour. I take it all back. It's a great present. <laughs> is, the poster, is the poster 3D? No. That's no. the best no, no, part. No, if it was, the poster, <laughs> it incredible. would work totally. But That's no, the best not. part, that it's, it's a 2D poster right. as, with as 3D all, glasses. As all, as all logic and film criticism has gone out of the window, um, you guys should get a present, I think. Um, I think we're going to let Jack open his first and okay. save possibly the best till last, I think. All right. 
All right, let's do fantastic. it. Just you guys, as this is an audio production, let's explain what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so I'm so unwrapping <laughs> my Star Wars wrapping paper. Jack's fingering the wrapping oh, right now. Escape. Basically, the he's, last, he's the last, the last thing this. of Star Wars I'll ever have. Oh, and. <laughs> <laughs> Jack seems pleased, I think. Keep that description uh, rolling. Yeah. Possibly the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's got a free activity poster within it. But what is it, Jack? And it is a Peppa Pig, my first cinema experience. I nearly <laughs> bought that today. Special sing and dance along fun. I very nearly As bought the same thing for the same man. That is genius. That's probably the best thing I've what, ever Peppa? seen. We're going to do a little oh, fire. Pepper, I will enjoy that. Yeah, it's your first Sorry. senior experience, Jack. Because I, I, I feel that you've come a long way this year, but I think you need to go back to your roots. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. All right. Uh, Pete, I don't know why I've decided to open a <laughs> present. Maybe it's because I've had a drink. Thank you. Uh, but, yes. Have you got your shot glass there, Pete? Uh, no. But I have got wrapping in my hands. Oh, I'm getting See, this, this? this is your this no yes this, this? is probably your favourite <laughs> your favourite actor of the year there he is can I look at him just for you uh, can you explain to the audience what it is so here <laughs> we have everything I would dream about as a serious fan of films <laughs> what I've got is a uh, somewhat smaller than life <laughs> Size. I hope you didn't think it was life size when you ordered it. No, I didn't. It. No, the life size. Uh, one, the life size one was a lot more money. <laughs> cut out that smells like of some kind of glue. Of who? Of, of who, Pete? Of everyone's chiselled anti-actor, <laughs> Henry Cavill. <laughs> Henry Cavill, exuding all the charisma in cardboard form that he does in human form. <laughs> And what we can do, listeners, is I think we, he's. I think he needs to stay in the studio. We he? can stick Cavill up here, and every time that I'm getting overexcited about a review, I'll look deep into Henry Cavill's face, and I'll realise that there is no need to exude any kind of human emotion. So, uh, I thank you. <laughs> I'm going to put Henry on top of Peppa Pig. And just, just you know, ah! look, no, you need to, you need to look. Pop the stand properly. Look, you pop that bit of cardboard down. He stands up better. Which part? That bit there. The little. You seem an expert on cardboard cutouts, nerd. <laughs> ah, yeah, I just folded something down. <laughs> nice, nice work. So what we will do, what we will do is, uh, is probably take some photos of these presents. Yes. Am I lacking a gift? Uh, Paul, I've got a gift for you, sir. It is. Uh... <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever seen. Every couple's the best. It is. And when you mentioned it earlier, mm. I had to keep my mouth. Thoroughly shut. Well, my present for Paul, funny that you should uh, pipe up at that point. You are aware that you have a real Christmas doesn't come in as an actual friend of mine. Not yeah, no, I'm not Christmas getting you a present, okay. this is it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to say this is, uh, you know, we're all, we're, all, we're all bantering here. This is a Jack Mills level of, can you guess what film this relates to? Okay. This is a, have oh, you Jesus. ever seen Pan's Labyrinth level of... Can you guess what film this is related to? Just in this bag, or can I... So what I've given Paul here is is a bag, and in the bag there are some things, and they are clues to a particular film. Okay. Paul, describe what you're getting. I've got some fresh double cream. Okay, everyone needs a bit of cream around Christmas. (laughs) 
What else have you got, Ethel? <laughs> I've got some Russian standard vodka. Okay, Russian vodka. Okay, what else? And I would wager that the next bottle, without seeing it, is going to be some Kahlua. Well, look for yourself, sir. Kahlua. So, Paul, I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question. Do you have any idea what film that might be? Who knows? Well, funny you should say that. Well, thanks, Jack, for pulling the Blu-ray out, because I was already aware of what it was, but thank you, you patronising shit. Um... <laughs> Yes, I believe it might be from the from the Big Lebowski. Yeah. And actually, this the last time I drank White Russians, weirdly enough, was uh, short. Was, I hadn't known my my now wife for very long. She ended up having to carry me back to bed. To be fair, uh, so I, the last so the last time I drank White Russians, I spilled them all over my fake beard whilst in a dressing gown, dressed as the dude from the Big Lebowski. I uh, mean, so Pete, you've gone to town. So recapture thank you very those much. glory days. Um, I feel that you might have spent quite a lot more than than me on your, your present. I, I, I am that. Uh, I am that. Um, what, what's the Steve Carell in? You know when they do the uh, the the Christmas gift giving in the American office, and he brings <laughs> in a fucking like the iPod. iPad. The iPad. Yeah, yeah. It's an, no, it's an iPod. It, no, it's they, an iPad. It's an iPad. Yeah, it's an iPad. I watched it quite recently. Okay. It's an iPad. It's yeah. an iPad. And everybody else has bought in like a ten dollar present, and he's like. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to steal the iPad. Yeah, no, I haven't spent iPad money, Paul. But I've got you a uh, Big Lebowski-themed present because I know you like handling balls. Right, on that note... <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, on that note, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of the Christmas special. Yeah, um, we'll post some photos... What about my present to Pete? Yeah, what about that? I thought, I thought your present to Pete was your company. Oh. That's the gift that keeps well, on giving, Jack. That, but but I want the gift that you want to give me right now... Oh, damn, son. ...is... An amazing fantasy Spider-Man poster. Although, I feel quite slighted, Jack Mills, because I have not received a pair of 3D glasses. I now have a pair of 3D glasses, or anything else that's wrapped up in the shape and size of 3D glasses. It could be literally anything, but yeah. It's 3D glasses, isn't it, Jack? Let's be honest. Worn by my brother. Oh, okay. So yours was going to be like eBayed for one ninety nine. Mine could be up to one pound forty nine. <laughs> Hell, son. We are set for Christmas, you guys. We are set for Christmas. What else could we possibly want over this festive period? Uh, well, um, nothing. To be perfectly honest. Um, right. What that leaves us with um, to regain some kind of structure to, to the proceedings is that um, we are now off for Christmas. Um, we will. There will be a pre-recorded episode going up. Of yeah, that's going to be uh, best and worst of the year, which um, will come out just before which, New Year. But no, our film of the year episode will be up between Christmas and New Year. Uh, we've been strangers in the cinema. Yay! We've had a great 2017. <laughs> Dashing through the snow